Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, some exciting news in the 4x4 world. And the reason I say that is because I am one potentially looking at a new mm. a new tow vehicle if I do yes. purchase a bigger, a bigger vessel, bigger North Bank, a 650 or a 750. Uh, well, anything in that range is going to be north of two and a half tons. Yeah, well, truly, yeah. Even little six meters probably pushing that two and a half tons. And then, when you talk payload of a car, then you've got the actual. If you hop in it, all of a sudden, your whatever your tow rating is, it drops by. Well, for you, it drops by fifty-two kilos. Um, <laughs> but any other gear that you've got in the car itself, that then drops your rating. So, we've seen Ram and Chev really start to carve out more than just a niche in the market. And, um, you know, over the last week, 10 days, we've seen um, the best selling vehicle in America now making its way to Australia for the first time since 1993, Mm. a version of the F-150 pickup truck, which will be remanufactured from left-hand to right-hand drive uh, in local uh, sort of reconstruction environments and will be in Ford showrooms by the middle of 2023, which is the direct competition for the Ram 1500 and the Chevrolet Silverado 1500. Yeah, and it's I, I think it's a game changer for the market that needs to be there because there's not really, I guess... Well, there's two, and now there's actual competition for pricing. There is, and not only that, like, you think about the, the Toyota, you've got Land Cruiser and whatnot, that Hilux don't do... Hilux don't do a big enough car. Ford don't do a big enough car. And you've got Amarok that don't do a big enough car. You've sort of, like you said, you've got those specific two cars that do the towing that you see. Land Cruiser do, but you need to spend onwards of like big money to actually change the computer in them to do things, to tow it. They tow it. They say they tow it. It was about six grand. We looked it up, didn't it? Between six and ten, which then takes your... Let's be honest. Anyone that buys a $100,000 Land Cruiser, you're going to be onwards up to 160 to 180 grand by the time you finish with it. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's I know people. You can do it cheaper, but I'm talking about all the guys that have these cars. All have spent big money. They just have. It's yeah. always add this, add this to get it to this. They are a great car and they pull amazing, but it's the cost. So depending where one the 150 comes in with the market cost, uh, the market price for it to fit in with Ram and uh, the Silverado, is going to be very interesting. So what makes this different is that this F150 will be remanufactured from right hand drive. Uh, by RMA Automotive, which is a facility in Mickleham in Victoria. 
but the car will be backed by a five-year unlimited kilometre warranty and sold and serviced through Ford Australia and their dealership network, meaning... You get all the, just mm. like if you bought any other car. From well, we Ford did during the, we, we picked up a new car during the week and, and Mr. Bishy and it was 10 year, that, that was the biggest sale for us. It was yeah. 10 year warranty. So five year warranty in Australia, on Australia, in Australia, sorry. That's massive for so a big car. For something that's been converted. Well, yeah, it's been converted as well. And the, and what it's made to do. It's made to tow these big vessels, put strain on it. So they're, gonna, they're backing the car in. Well, Ram Australia sold uh, just over 3,800 of the 1500s in Oz um, during 2021, and GMSV sold a little over 2,100 of the Silverado 1500. Do you think it's got a fair bit to do with the boating and caravan industry booming due to the COVID over the last two years that people have gone out and bought these tow vehicles? Well, yeah, probably. I call them tow vehicles. But but, but I was reading an article during the week around Nissan and their patrol and... They've never had greater sales. I see. Than, I actually seen this that myself. Year. Yeah, nine. I think it was nine hundred and eighteen. And they're a good looking car. More than the three hundred series. And this is at a time. This is their V eight, which on their on road testing, I reckon it was like fourteen and a half liters per hundred k. <laughs> yeah. So it's always going to be more than that. We're paying two bucks a liter for petrol, <laughs> diesel, and people are still buying them. So. You know, they dried up in the early 2000s because of the increase of, of fuel. But that seems to have just... People aren't even, aren't even considering that now. Well, the reason that I'm most excited for this F1, F-150 is because you've obviously been partnered up with short Ford for some time now, so I'm hoping I get the Dangerfield <laughs> discount. <laughs> I want the Dangerfield discount, so I'm going to hold off on the Ram just to get the, the, the Dangerfield discount at the uh, at Ford. Do you reckon they'll let me in, Rex Corral? Oh, <laughs> now, uh, the engine, it'll be a three-and-a-half-litre twin... Uh, turbocharged V6 Eco Boost produces 298 kilowatts of power. This is the interesting part. Yes, it is. Uh, and a turbocharged V6, 15 kilowatts shy of the 6.2 litre engine in the Silver Rado. That's the size. The size is. That's the interesting part there. The size difference in these engines. Yeah, quite considering. But when they so this was a this was a really hot uh, topic of discussion when it was launched in the states because of the, you know people's proclivity to purchase V8s instead of V6s. But the V6 actually outsold the V8 in America. So they're simply looking at it and going, well, this has been the most popular that's sold. Yep. So we're going to bring that to Australia. Brake towing capacity, which is the most important part for us and for, I dare say, any any of our listeners who look, that are looking at maxi trailable boats is four and a half tonnes, which is up a thousand on your ranges, your Hiluxes, um, you know, your Amarok, all oh, those. Oh, it's huge. Yep. So that's the that's the main game changer. And quite interesting, I found this quite fascinating. Because of the aluminium body, it's about the same weight. The car's the, about the same weight as a Ford Raptor in current configuration in Australia. So the Raptor is, people get confused because there's actually a Raptor in the Ranger section too. Yes, there as well. is. Yes. So it gets a little bit confusing on when you're looking at cars. So... The Raptor's actually the next bigger car on top of the Ranger. So if you are confused there, because I was actually confused because I remember Joel, uh, Sal, who plays with yourself, he had a Raptor and I'm like, Raptor? And I've seen him driving. I'm like, that's bigger than the Ranger. This is when when he first got it and I didn't actually know that... Flared mudguards, all that sort of thing. But they're designed for a whole... There's a whole different design purpose to that car. They're not Not a towing... They're not a tow vehicle, no. The Ranger's actually more powerful in the towing aspect of it than what that is. But then they're going to bring the F-150, which is going to be literally... 
probably Ford's leading, or is Ford's leading tow vehicle, especially with weight. Yeah, so price hasn't been confirmed. Ford Australia has for been... For free for me? What the sounds of it? That was <laughs> unreal. They've been quoted saying that it's pri- uh, priced favourably. Yep. Now, we don't know what that means yet. 250 It, it, <laughs> it, it needs to be competitive with Ram and Silverado, so it's got to be... Your, a standard Ram and Silverado, you're looking between... Now, I know this is a big gap that I'm going to give you. 80 to 140. What have you got in front of you? No, exactly right. So, yeah, I, around that mark plus on-road. So, that yep. obviously, your pricing is going to go up after that. Um, and the reason it's different is different things you can get on cars. It's just yeah. like some, like you said before, you can add your gross, your different gross uh, weight into it, etc., and computers, everything like that all adds up, and that's how you that's how you get the tow vehicle to tow bigger, hence the Land Cruiser is the way that uh, people tend to do them up to tow bigger vehicles like we did with your North Bank when we went up to uh, Birmingham. Exactly. Now, a little bit of uh, boating. Well, can news. I ask you one car question? Just one car question. Oh, I love talking so cars. So I bought, absolutely. I bought, so we bought a f- our first family, official family car during the week, and we bought the Mitsubishi Outlander, Pat. Yep. Now, are these cars getting too smart for their own good? Is because it, does it drive itself? Mate, because they we'll, tell you off these things. You got to. You can't brake too late. You can't go off the lanes. But are we getting lazy, or is it? Because I had a mate driving a, a BT50 last week. He, he borrowed it because he needed the roof racks for. He's a plumber and he was. He's buying a new truck at the moment. Yep. And he goes to me. You know. You know. Nipper. Nipper. Friend of the show. And he goes. Mate, this car's telling me off. It won't let me turn right. Like, it's actually, like... The lane assist. Yeah, lane assist. And he's like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, it was actually making him feel uncomfortable at the wheel because it was, like, pulling one way. And he's like, what the freaking hell's going on here? You know what? I've I've actually... When I first got my Everest, I had the same thing. And it it kept confusing me because when you have the radar cruise control as well, it'll break even though you're going past, like, a cyclist or something. It'll pick up that they're there and they're not sure whether... It tries to break. Yeah. Like... Are know. they getting too smart? Like, do we need this? Drive well, the bloody car. Well, if you ask Elon Musk, it's everything's becoming more around <laughs> autonomous. So you, someone, you can just sit there. Didn't someone drive a Tesla, Tesla in Melbourne not long ago and crashed into someone and uh, because they thought the car was on auto guidance and it was driving itself? Yeah, well, you've probably got to check the buttons that you've clicked. You can't just... Mate, I'm turning them all off on this thing. <laughs> now, there's a, huge, there's a man that's been... Uh, Rowing solo Redmond across the Atlantic in a world record-breaking challenge. Um, he's been terrorised by a great white shark. Jack Jarvis had literally his own version of Jaws. Um, now, he's navigated killer whales. Um, he set off from Portugal in December uh, and was deep into his mammoth challenge when literally he came face-to-face with a, a giant great white shark Um that harassed him for days. Quite extraordinary. Are, well, you, are you packing up and turning around a little bit hard when you're rowing? I think you it's can't stupid exactly... what he's doing in the first place. <laughs> what are you rowing across the Atlantic for? Well, you know, people come up with these different reasons. <laughs> Go I, on, what's his reason? <laughs> I can't exactly give you one for, for why. You know that photo in the Guinness World Book of Records? It'll look good. <laughs> um World exclusive, Adelaide Bodies have helped uh, smash open a international drug ring. Mm. They've found themselves $250 million of cocaine floating off the York Peninsula. 
You didn't see any when you lived in Adelaide down there? Any no, no of cocaine fl- floating? No <laughs> floating packages. Have you ever have you ever picked up anything that like random well, just floating through the ocean? This has been an ongoing joke, for myself and the boys that we I fish with regular. Surely we're going to come across a bag of cocaine one day. Like we chase some Bermagui, and it's how it gets in the country. It's just how it happens, and we never find anything cool. <laughs> Which seaweed, maybe a may may under it on the Bermagui coast. It's that's a bad hole. I'm sure I'd describe it as cool. Pretty fascinating. $250 million worth of cocaine. It, and it was enormous to see that floating, uh, floating package. And the, uh, the Coast Watch have been actually watching the actual, uh, where that ship that was where it come mm. off. They knew what the boat they were all over to it. assist it. Yeah, yes. They were literally all over it. So Quite extraordinary. And the radars that they used from our waters, like you literally, if you, say for instance yourself, you were to travel out of our, into international waters, you would have question. Just, just say you and I went for a drive tomorrow randomly in your North Bank. We would have drones on top of us in yeah. a split second. You wouldn't even know they were there. It'd be a fascinating story to how they, you know, have tracked this because they've impounded a boat. I think it was you know mid thirty foot sort of um, sea cruiser, sea ray sort of, yeah, sort of cruiser, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, fascinating stuff. Hey, um, do you want to go for a drive? Go for a t- <laughs> <laughs> big Port Ferry tuna at the moment. They're starting Incredible. to to turn their heads up. What are you hearing? Oh, it's just been a massive week for big southern bluefin tuna. Uh, I'm on... I'm just, I don't know how to say it on the air without using some words Words I'm not allowed to use, Patrick. I'm on standby still. We yes, are we are yes, a long are. way overdue since we've had this baby and I can't get amongst these fish. Your and beautiful partner across 40 weeks pregnant now. Well past. It's, it's, she's, due date was last Friday, so whatever it is now. Now, most people you would think um, you would spend... All day at home because you you want to be there ready to go at the uh, at the flip of a hat or you know when the the baby starts to to make its way out. Now Aaron, of course, he's decided to uh, to do that. He's only staying within thirty kilometres of shore, so you've got yeah. uh, at least you know three hours to get in before you see. One. And it's unfortunate that poor ferry is more than thirty kilometres. <laughs> <laughs> but these fish, these fish are seriously. If you do want a big tuna. 30 to 80 kilo other regulars. There's bigger fish there. There's a couple of smaller fish there. I am not joking, Pat. Are, they, are you teasing them up? How are you fishing for they're, them? They've just the been running lures. Just running lures. Yep. You can get Some people are getting them on stickies and just flicking them out. You get them on stick baits. No dramas as well. But this is a fishery that we have never seen like this. What are we in now? Well, not at this health, well, this level of... Not, yeah, not the way it's yeah. going. Yeah. What are we in now? We're in mid-April, not even mid-April, and... We have barrel bluefin tuna getting caught. I've caught them While all still having our school tuna at, up and down the seaboard. Literally right along the coast of the yep. country, like from, from from Perth. Probably not quite Perth, but a little bit lower than certainly, that. I've seen reports in the bottom Australia. parts of... Well, bottom parts of WA, I've seen yep. some reports right into South Australia to us, to Mallacoon, into the bottom parts of New South Wales. Like, this is fascinating bluefin fishery. But the thing that I was going to say to you... It's an all-year-round fish now. Mm. It's mm. an all-year-round species, bluefin. It used to be just your winter months off Portland, freezing cold wearing your overalls and gumboots, <laughs> where now it is literally an all-year-round fishery. And right now, Port Ferry, 30 to 50 metres water. I'm talking 7 to 15 kilometres from the boat ramp. Not far. Like Polo Bay, where I was doing it a couple of weeks ago, you're 90 to 100 kilometres. Like, it's ridiculous how far. Like I said, it's, it's hard work. This is a fishery that you should be doing if you do want to catch yourself a bluefin tuna and have the gear and, I guess, the confidence to do it. On the other side of the break, this is Real Adventures. We're 
We're tracking what's biting in your part of the country. Aaron Hapgood and Patrick Dangerfield joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what's biting in your part of the country. We're going to start with New South Wales and get pretty quickly past New South Wales. It's been absolutely hammered with rain, uh, record-breaking swells and floods right through the right up and down the state. It's been quite it's, extraordinary. It's a whole state pattern. It's not like, what was it a little while ago? It was a bit higher, then it moved down slowly. The whole state has been cleaned up with flood water. But not only that, I know a few people, locals there, that have lived there for their whole life nearly. They've never seen swell like this on the New South Wales coast. Did you see images of Bondi and whatnot during the week? Yeah, extraordinary. Well, you, no, you couldn't see it. <laughs> Bondi was gone. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So uh, let, let's go bottom end of New South Wales. Then reports on the billfish. You? It, even it was all, well, I don't know if you've seen, there was a photo from the Blue Pool out of Bermagui. And the Blue Pool's a, a recognised uh, place where you go with your family and friends swimming. It's like a, it's a beautiful, I guess, rock pools that meets the ocean. Yeah. And, that was gone during the week. Like it was literally gone. There was waves breaking over the top of the blue pool. So there's you, right down to Malakuta has been absolutely hammered. So there's not... I think the billfish will be there, but I, I haven't got You're any... Just I just don't have the reports at the minute. Yep. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into next week. Can't do anything about that. South Australia, fishing out of St Kilda. Real mad fishing charters. Whiting were literally red hot. You know what the whiting like in South Oz. Good fish. 40 plus centimetres, but mixed in with that is a fish that I never keep. I have eaten it, but I never keep them. It's red mullet. It's one of the only fish found right around the world. It's actually known as a Greek fish. The Greeks really love eating this fish, Pat. And they they are literally in big numbers. So I'm going to ask my brother-in-law. You have to ask the brother-in-law because they are... Jordas? It's one of the only... You find it all around the world in restaurants, red mullet. And goat fish, red mullet, they've got a few different names. Barbunya is actually their name, their Greek name. So Barbunya. Oh. And it is... He uh, fancies himself a fisherman, does Jordas. I need oh. to get him out there. I've been saying it for a few years. I kind of feel guilty, as you mentioned him. <laughs> but it's... Uh, the red. They're in good numbers. So if you do catch them, they're right through South Australia. So if you do catch them, do keep one. There's no size limit on them. So yep. make sure you keep them. Eat them. They scale up really easily. Easy. The scales fall off them as soon as you touch them. So Not easy nice. fish to clean. Soft flesh, but white and tasty. Blue swimmer crabs and leather jacket. They're all in that area as well. Farm beach. The photos did the rounds during the week. 60 plus centimetre King George Whiting. Just monster. Like size of your elbows. Like just ridiculous mm. big, ridiculously big whiting. So good to see. Gummy sharks? Yeah. Fishing out of Port Hughes. All those reefs are just going to hold fish. 20 metres of water right out to 30. Even slightly deeper if you want to go deeper. Uh, up to 20 kilo, big fish, salmon, whatever you can get, oily or fleshy bait is always going to uh, always going to catch him more fish. Queensland and Hitchinbrook and around the Hitchinbrook regions has seen some really nice uh, red-coloured fish, red, red men, the uh, red emperor being caught along with coral trout. Two of the nicest eating fish in the ocean and bloody aggressive coral trout. One of the things that we love fishing, especially... You know, you find those bombies and you, you cast over the top of them, Redmond. It's so much fun. Yeah, they are. We had a ball up north, it, literally off Hitchingbrook or out wide, actually. But it's uh, it's uh, the, the, the Red Emperor. They'll double the size of the ones we got. So your, your old man got a monster. These ones, the reports during the week, were literally like metre plus. Like they're massive. They're big literally models. as big as you see them. And uh, fishing out wide of the Gold Coast, too. Amberjack is sitting on multiple lumps out there. So hard pulling fish. Deeper water, get your big heavy jigs down there. For me, I'd 
spend the time catching live bait because jigging's too hard. But it's it's uh, get your live bait down there, and you're going to have no drama catching uh, catching yourself some big amjack. Western Australia, the beaches around Hopeton. Uh, have been turning it on for those chasing huge Australian salmon on metal lures. Now, th- between 30 and 60 grams, Redmond, but it doesn't really matter. If you find the schools, then you're going you're gonna to be yep. pretty much... Pillies will work too. Guarantee yourself getting onto them. Uh, and fishing wide uh, from Perth, Marlin have been holding well for anglers, chasing them uh, with blue and striped on offer, which is pretty exciting to see, Redmond. Yeah, the Perth Metro, that's cool. It's really cool to see. It's a fantastic fishery WA has, and... I think we're allowed there now. You've probably got to wear six masks and 17 pairs of socks, but we're, there's a few rules that we do need to get over there now. We're allowed over there. But Tassie, we'll finish it off with Tassie. Fishing around the Tasman Island. Oh, we we just spoke about it, Pat, earlier in the show, at the start of the show, the school bluefin. It They're in massive numbers right around Tassie. And Tasman Islands are holding ma- holding massive schools of fish there. So not they're not big. They're 15 to 30 kilos. They're not the barrels yet. I say yet, but if you push down the other side of Tassie, you're going to probably put yourself in barrel water. And I've seen during the week on social media that those school, biggest school fish, those 40s, 60s, are starting to show their heads. And I don't know where these 40s and 60 and 80 kilo fish have come from or where they used to be because they're just showing up everywhere at the moment. And you can get all these fish on lures or on surface. So you, you bungee cast for the smaller fish. You can push right up to any bigger poppers or anything for bluefin. They're not scared to come out of the water. And the Great Lake, I can't remember if I put it in last week or the week before, but this week was a huge, huge report on rainbows and browns coming in. And they reckon these fish are literally in as good as condition that the trout present themselves in. So you know what a good trout looks like, Pat. And then uh, <laughs> these pla- plastics have been doing pretty much all of the damage uh, for for the guys chasing them. Beautiful work, Redman. That is what's biting in your part of the world. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media. Uh, we love engaging in conversation from anyone that's uh, willing to delve into whether it be fishing, boating, uh, or, or commentary around what Aaron does quite clearly as a uh, professional fisherman and salt guide angler. I'll get into the first one, Redmond. So, are you geared up? Ready to go. Never been more. Ready. It's not super relevant for you, this one, but anyway. (laughs) Phil, is it worth putting a wrap on my boat? They obviously look great, boys, but do they actually protect the boat? Now, this is great because we've both had experience with wraps. Can I answer this just quickly? Yes, I I thought you would want to. Your two-pack on your boat, it looks great. But it bloody shows every mark up. If if you walk past it, your shadow can put a put a scratch in it. As you found uh, out no, with your barrel no, roofing. No, I do not want to hear this. <laughs> this is an excuse as to the reason I next foot step foot on my boat and I look at you and say, Where have all these marks come from? The only reason that you're saying that is because you've destroyed it when you took it to Bermagui. Uh, I was just going to say, my boat doesn't look any different. With it. My boat's actually 10 times worse. My boat looks like a kid's walked around with a key on the side of it. It's had that many gaff marks in the side of it. You know what? You did recommend this to me. I know you said it wasn't actually probably the best question for me, but I'm actually going to answer it because you said to me, put a wrap on it. You did. You said put a wrap on it, the same colour. It'll protect it for resale. Mm-hmm. Well, my boat's now worth $2,000. <laughs> Because the amount of scratches on it. Is it worth it? I am personally going to say yes. I'm going to go with yes. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to do it next time. But it's it's going to be... It's every bit of four grand. Oh, I don't give a crap because it's going to cost me 30 grand to get someone to buff the scratches out of it. Pat, you don't understand the side of my boat. Oh, you do. You've seen it. It's bad. Next question is from Beck. G'day, boys. Love the show. Uh, 
Are the winds affecting whiting fishing at the moment? Cheers, Beck. They are. A lot of easterlies making it a mm. bit harder in the bay, which can be a bit crappy at times because often it means calm, still water. Surf's been rubbish as well. Like the, no swell. It's well, been clean easterlies water. easterlies for that long? Oh, I think that we only get easterlies now. Uh, so it hasn't changed. To, we don't get anything but east, south, east or northeast in the morning. So it, it has been a bit affecting them a little bit, but it's... It's still worth getting out. We're in the prime time whiting season. Western Port, Port Phillip, they are literally, there's enough fish there to, to get mm. a feed, even on those Eastleys. The next question is from Michael. Hey, boys, with school holidays being here uh, and getting George involved in fishing when he was younger, Pat, where do you recommend I should take him land base somewhere down the southwest coast of Victoria? Anywhere protected with by wind and where you can get a fish or a squid. Just something to catch. Something to catch, hundred percent. Where did you take George? You used to like taking him down to, I think it was the Pankalak, was it? Or was that a bit yeah. not, not as no, consistent? No, the no fish? spot on the Pankalak. So, areas in land. So, and we literally went there when we when I first started to get him into fishing. We would use a little bit of bread, and as simple as it is, with the smallest possible hook you can find. Brim love bread. Fish yeah. love bread. I love. So bread. we it was unweighted on the smallest hook you could possibly get. It was pretty much a fly lure. We'd sit it on the surface and the brim would just smash it. And what we'd do is we'd set up a bucket and we didn't keep him in the bucket long, but we'd catch a small one or we'd catch any fish, pop it in the bucket, the kids would look at it and then, you know, after 20 minutes they've had enough, they've had their little fix of fishing, you pop them back in the water and away you go. You don't extend it, you know, it's not about you when you first take your kids fishing, I don't think. I think that's sometimes what, what <laughs> it's what we can get confused with. A great day on the water for you, for your kids is not 12 hours. So you're not walking up the Otways, dodging snakes, flicking plastics like you do with George every second week? Oh, I'll tell you what, I dodged a snake on <laughs> When was it? Tuesday. Tuesday was my birthday, turned 32. So I went fishing with Dad. Good birthday. And a fucking tiger snake scared the absolute S-H-I-T out of me. Oh, I tell you what. Oh, 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 oh. I went to... Uh, Geralinga during the week, which Holy is a crap, wildlife mate. sanctuary, and the guy pulls out a coastal taipan. I think it was third most third world dangerous third in the world most dangerous snake. Exactly what you want. He the pulls kids. it out yeah. and he's got it in this enclosure. This thing's three meters, four meters long. It's massive. And at the end of the thing, he goes, or just before the end of the presentation, he goes, "I got bit by this last year. I've only just come out of hospital twelve months later. It nearly killed me." The only reason I'm alive is because I knew how to do immediate first aid. I'm like, well, how about you put that thing back in its bag? Oh, I thought you were going to say that you gave yourself you know, heart attack. CPR. Well, it shuts, so the limb, it actually, the limb shuts, the limb actually shuts down in, like, and you lose your arm and whatnot. Have you seen when they, when they use snake venom and they, they put a drop of venom in like a, um, you know, a, a little container of blood? Yeah, yeah. And then within like 30 seconds, all the blood has pretty much become solid like oh, I hate snakes I so know anyway, you don't like snakes fished with dad didn't catch any I, fish saw a snake I've just got Red's tip Red's tip's changing for the end of the week I've got Red's tip well, just off we'll, the back of snake catching typical we've gone over so <laughs> that wraps our social club uh, coming up after the break this is a cracker Jet Worsling is joining us the son of Australia's most well known angler you reckon you love fishing this kid and he has caught more fish in his lifetime, which he ate that long, Redmond, than... I don't pr- like him. Pretty much anyone <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's promising to be a great interview. Incredible. Jet Worsling coming up next. This is Real Adventures. 
Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Now, our special guest, and I said it on the other side of the break this morning, is none other than Jet Worsling, son of iFish's host and probably Australia's most recognisable angler, Paul Worsling. Good morning, Jet. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm going very well. Now, we've seen over the last few seasons of iFish that you are starting to usurp the old man. You've infiltrated the show for, well, pretty much your entire life. What's it like being the son of one of Australia's most famous fish shows? Um, it is pretty cool. And to me, it really is just my dad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is pretty epic, especially just, yeah, being at the hang out with him and just having such access to the fishing world. Now, for you, it's been normal, as you said, but you have travelled to some of the most incredible places. Does it? Does there a part of you that think, geez, this wouldn't be a bad job once I finish school? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely worth there. I definitely think about it because it is one of my, it's definitely my favourite thing to do in life is just fish and travel as well, just seeing some amazing things and, yeah, I'd love to be in that community or in that area of profession one day. Now, how I think 15, is that right, Jet? Yep, 15. Yep, so cricket and footy play a huge part of your life. Yes. Um, yeah, quite clearly you're a bit disappointed after last weekend's uh, Collingwood loss. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that one in there. <laughs> oh, but between sports now at different stages you'll obviously go off and travel with dad what what are the what are the three sort of can you give us three favorite places that you've been to that dad's put on the radar and said all right we're going to film here do you want to come um and you've got there and thought holy crap this is just amazing (laughs) yeah um i think tasmania in general is definitely one of them um so somewhere you'd expect very little of. It's got one of the most amazing fisheries in Australia. It's just so untouched. And I think Atataki and the Cook Islands is definitely another. Yes. So remote, uh, tropical, and just so different anywhere in the world and just so crazy. And I think you could almost just say Australia, just those all those remote places around Australia, Exmouth, um, Arnhem Land, in remote Queensland on the Great Barrier Reef. There's just so many options and it's just there's such good fishery here. Has there been a time during filming that you've been involved in where the old man has cracked it? Because there's a lot of pressure when it comes to shooting a, a fishing show because generally there's only so many days that you've got uh, with a guide or in a, at a certain location and you've got to deliver, you've got to catch fish. Has there been a moment where the old man, you've seen him really stressed? Um, I reckon there, I definitely reckon there would have been. I'm just trying to remember one, but yeah, it definitely can be stressful when ever, things don't go your way because it is fishing and it's, yeah, it's not called catching. So <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely been a few times where it's been a bit stressed. Do you, in those sort of scenarios, are you getting into dad or are you sort of letting him be knowing that this is the job and you've got to find fish? Yeah, normally let him be so he, don't, so he doesn't get more angry, to be honest. But, um, yeah, let him be when it's stressful and just try and find the fish. Now, 
We've spoken about some places that you love to fish. What about your your favourite captures? Everyone has a bucket list fish, but for you it's a bit different because you've just about caught every fish in the sea. Your favourite three fish to, to target or perhaps the most sort of notable captures that you've had throughout your time fishing, Jet? Yeah, I, um, I love targeting Giant Trevally on surface in those tropical lagoons and that, and I managed to get one. I think it's 126 centimetres to the fork in Atataki, and that was definitely one of my favourite fish I've ever caught. Um, got a massive 62 centimetre King George Whiting in Tasmania, and to me that was just amazing. It's such a bread and butter fish, but when it's that big, it's almost unproportional and crazy. Mm-hmm. And another one would probably be some, a big dog to tuna or a big marlin I got when I was a bit younger. This is like, because they're always that like mystical fish that I always wanted to catch and then you finally get one. It's pretty cool. Has there been a time where you thought you were going to be pulled in? Because anything over a metre long when it comes to a GT, they pull like an absolute freight train. Yeah, I, um, I actually did get pulled in the water once in Thailand by a big carp, I think it was. Fishing on land, fishing land base, got pulled in with the broad. Um, but yeah, I've had, I think that dog tooth gave me a fair bit of string and almost got me. Is there any time that mum gets worried when you go off filming with dad? Obviously, Christy spent uh, a huge amount of time um, with her input into the show, but now you're on screen. Is there ever a time where you've come back from a from an adventure and she said that was a little bit too far or is she pretty gung-ho herself when it comes to the adventures? Um, I think mum's pretty good, but she does always like to know, especially when we're on like uh, offshore trips with satellite phones and that, she definitely likes to know that we're safe. Yep. But, um, yeah, I think I think she's pretty, normally pretty good. All right, a few quick fire here. Saltwater or fresh? Um, I, I have to say salt only because of the, like, the variety and all your options. Fresh is amazing. But I think with salt, you just get you can literally do everything. There's just so much you, you'd ne- you'd never be able to do everything in salt water. Dream boat? I'm not too sure about a dream boat. It sort of depends on where you live and like because I, I always used to love those big American center consoles, but in Victoria especially, they're it's pretty cold. <laughs> yeah, it's not that practical, so I'm not really sure about that. All right, so you're going to spend uh, a little bit a bit of time over Tassie over the the school holidays, um, best boat for Tasmanian conditions that we can take clearly centre consoles out of that? Yeah, yeah not ideal. Uh, maybe like a big, just a big fiberglass, a big aluminium, big cabin, something warm. Does Dad let you drive the boat? Yeah. Who's a better driver, you or he? Oh, I have to say Dad, but it's all right. Now, were you out the other day, a little birdie tells me that uh, Dad hadn't exactly set up the sounder in the correct configuration and you hadn't been sounding up any snapper at all and then all of a sudden, hang on, I've just changed the frequency and you've donged some of the biggest snapper that you can just about imagine? Yep, that is correct. We, um, I think you sounded for about half an hour <laughs> on, our, on the front of our good mark and then couldn't sound anything. So went into this big patch of boats sort of just doing nothing. We turned the frequency up and all of a sudden they'll fish everywhere <laughs> i think he started fishing at like 9 30 i think we were bagged out as well <laughs> they were some absolute monsters and to finish us off with jet uh bucket list fish what's something that you haven't caught yet which 
I imagine it's a rather difficult question to ask because you've caught just about every decent fish in the sea. But what's the one thing that you haven't caught that is on your bucket list? Um, it's a hard one. I think there'd be a few that sort of you'd take. You'd take either all of them, but um, I think it'd be between either like one of those big yellow fin tuna with sticking fast a tail, or a hundred kilo dog tooth, or even a meter cod on surface. I think they're all pretty cool options. All of which you've pretty much caught every species of those. It's just the size. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jet, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting you, uh, to you this morning uh, around your passion for fishing and quite clearly I fish and the huge impact uh, you've had on the show pretty much ever since you were born. I can re- remember when you were first sort of, I reckon it was sort of three or four, you almost made your debut uh, and it's been great to, to see you and your passion for fishing and fish alongside your dad. I think it's so, it's something that... Certainly a lot of people can um, can draw on and, and look to and certainly enjoy spending time with their dads out in the water chasing fish. Cheers, Patrick. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review, of course, for Club Marine. Redmen, our good mates at Club Marine. Now, our review of the week is Lip Grips. It is, and I found some good ones online here. There's a brand here called Tough Rigs Fish Lips, Grip Volume 2, which actually take the weight of the fish as well, which is really important because you need to brag. <laughs> now, if you're unfamiliar what a lip grip is, essentially it's like a, it's like a, a holding device, if you will, Redmond. Yep. Um, with a couple of pinches at the end that you attach to the lip of a fish uh, and then once you release uh, the holding mechanism around the grip, then those little pinches, they lock on and you will not drop your fish with them. So up north we use them heaps. We use them less down here, particularly with whiting um, and your, the sort of general fish that we catch. So you can get them for around $40, Pat. With the, with the weight aside of it on, so you, can, you can weight them. But the, it also has different reasons rather than just getting the weight. One of the reasons is it actually allows you to be able to remove the, say, treble hooks yes. out of a lure. You can grab the fish comfortably and the fish isn't splashing around, or sorry, not splashing around, smacking around in your hands trying to throw the hook into your hand. You're not just trying to grab it. Or you drop the fish and it damages the fish That's itself. the other thing. You're not going to be able to drop the fish on the ground. But when you are handling the fish... Certain fish you'll get away with a little bit more, but bigger fish, for instance, a big set, a big Murray cod, or a big flathead, or a big barramundi. Make sure when you're holding the lip grips, after you get the weight of them. So holding them down is okay to get the weight, but once you rotate the fish, make sure you support the belly of the fish. Good point. Because you'll snap the fish in half. Literally, you don't want to hurt the fish. So especially if you're releasing them, and quite often if you're using these grip grippers. They are for catch and release. Get the weight, get the fish back in the water because realistically you can weigh the fish when it's dead later if you were to kill a species of fish. So make sure you do hold the bottom of the fish with the, and then support the head, support the mouth and let him go. Get the weight of your fish for your young fella and, and then happy days. If you want more information on lip grips, you can simply type it in into Google. Now, most, pretty much all of the your major players, whether it's Anaconda BCF or your Tackle Worlds, uh, complete anglers right around the country. They will all have a range of lip grips and they vary in price, as Aaron said, starting at around 20 bucks uh, and pushing up onwards once you start to get to sort of your really expensive sort of stainless steel models. Uh, but if you want them for a long period of time, then perhaps it's spending that little bit more. That is Red's Review 
for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. In the final quarter, welcome back to Real Adventures. Final quarter where you do your best work, Patrick. Time for Red's tip. It is time for Red's tip, and it's coming off the back of you being a little bit scared of snakes. Uh, I actually really like snakes, not when they pull out a 16-meter coastal taipan that killed, nearly killed a fellow, but I think everyone should... The country we live in is so spectacular. Like we can go down to lakes, we can go down to rivers, we can go along the beach and walk in some of the most pristine conditions in the world. Yeah, It's not overpopulated. There's 25 million people, not 625 million people. And there's not concrete blocks everywhere. But the problem is, because we have so much bushland, not just Bruce in the ocean, but the snakes and everything else that wants to kill you on land... Steve the snake. Steve the snake will go with, is uh, legit. They're everywhere. They are absolutely everywhere, snakes and whatnot. And something that I did learn at that Geralinga place when I was listening to this fellow, it was a very interesting chat with him, was it's pretty easy to carry a bandage. And it literally saved this fellow's life. Mm. And what I mean by that is... where And just going to explain it to you quickly because I've only got a minute or so. But where the snake actually bites you... Say, for instance, it bites you on your wrist, Pat. Mm. You actually need to put the bandage. Now, this is coming from an expert, not me. This is literally straight from his mouth. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't thank, know. Thank God. This is I, why I, I listened to this. We could get in trouble if you're giving snake <laughs> survival I, advice. I, I, shovel. That's the snake advice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's legit goes around the, around the actual bite wound in itself with the bandage. So you actually compress that quite tight. Then go to the bottom of the limb as far as you possibly can. So we're going, in this instance, from the wrist to the hand. Yeah. Okay. And then go from the hand all the way up the limb as far as you possibly can go. Now, the reason for it is where the snake actually bites you is that venom, what it can do is if you actually only bandage that little section of it and you said where it actually bit you, that poison from the snake yep. leak out. So what you're trying to do is actually restrict the spread of the venom. And if it slips out of that bandage, all of a sudden it'll go from, say, just above your wrist to your top of your shoulder in minutes. Yep. Where if you restrict it by going back the other way, and you're not going too tight, it's as tight as two fingers underneath, like a sprained ankle, same aspect of it with the bandage. And it, what it does, it just slows the spread down to get you to somewhere you need to be to get the uh, anti- what is it? Anti-venom. Anti-venom. So you're not, not sucking it out. You're not sucking it out. You're not doing any of this. This is literally straight from the snake man himself who nearly died. He literally wrapped it up in the spot and it goes back and then you come back up the limb. So if it gets you on the leg, you need to wrap up as much as you can. If it gets you on the torso, you're screwed. So <laughs> if, if it, if it, I was waiting for that. Red's tip. So basically, just if you are out in the bush and you're going for a walk in the hot ways, you're going to take a bag with a drink bottle. It's, you are, aren't you? You are. Chuck a bandage in. It'll literally save your life. And I can't, uh, I can't emphasise this enough. If you are an expert, uh, please don't write into us because I'm half sure that what Aaron said is wrong because he doesn't listen at the best. No, of times. I was actually intrigued in this. And if I you was do intrigued. get, if you do get uh, snipped, um, please don't sue us. This either. segment was brought to you by Snake Catchers Australia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Red Set. The flying gaff, a 100-year-old sturgeon, has been caught in British Columbia, Canada and release back into the river. Ives, Y-V-E-S, I'm not sure exactly how to uh, pronounce his name. Bisson made the uh, the catch at 10 foot long, 600 pounds, and believed to be a century old. 
You know what I'm more impressed with? You, the, the, the way you can change a gaff, 20 seconds. You've had three of them that you told me you were going to do. It's been a lot, yes. It's been a lot of stuff. And then you've gone to a, a big thing. Mate, that's a 100-year-old fish, 600 pounds. Oh, no, I think it's long. incredible, but I just didn't know where I, you started reading it. I was like, weren't you gaffing the guy that was holding onto the back of a garbage truck? Well, that was that was doing the rounds during the week. It was. Garbage truck doing 60 k's an hour, and there he is, jackass style, in a shopping trolley. Pat, have you, fuel is expensive. He needed to get to the shops. <laughs> Thanks for your company I'm this going morning. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not allowed. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed Real Adventures. We'll see you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.